Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today... I'm going over the ins and outs of the Dallas Cowboys defense. So, I'll try to do the coach thing a little more quickly today. Uh, Dan Quinn came up in the Seattle Cover 3 defense, known as the Legion of Boom. He got a head coaching job with Atlanta and got to a Super Bowl before Kyle Shanahan refused to run the ball in the second half with a massive lead and let the Patriots make the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. Shanahan's reward for this was, of course, getting the San Francisco 49ers head coaching job. Quinn's was riding the Falcons to basically what was the end of their Matt Ryan era, never really being able to match that one magical season where Ryan was a top-five quarterback and their defense was really, really good. Uh, Then he joined Mike McCarthy in Dallas (laughs) and has been an absolute master of using the tools that have been given to him to get the job done. Uh, I can't stress enough that I think 90% of NFL coaches would have screwed up Micah Parsons And you might be thinking, how do you screw up having a defensive player of the year candidate? Uh, But I think with him specifically, it actually would have been pretty easy. Like over the years, there have been a ton of guys who came out extremely athletic. The teams have decided should be cover linebackers. Even though their tape says there is absolutely no way in hell that they can do that at the NFL level. Uh, (laughs) There have also been a whole bunch of undersized edge rushers that have been told to put on a bunch of weight and had all of their ridiculous explosiveness robbed uh, just so that they'll hold up better on the edge against the run. And I genuinely think that if you handed Matt Patricia Micah Parsons, as an example, he he would have done exactly that. He would have done one of those two things. He would have tried to turn him into an off-ball linebacker and he would have been terrible, or he would have tried to bulk him up so he could hold up against the run on the edge. And either of those things, like, he, he might have been a, a decent off-ball linebacker, I guess, like great against the run, athletic enough to erase a few mistakes in coverage. Would have been one of the league's better blitzers, but I, I think like Quay Walker is what you would have gotten out of Parsons as an off-ball linebacker, like a, a genuinely disappointing guy because he has every tool you can imagine, but he's just not a linebacker. Uh and as a like full-time hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, I don't think that would have turned out super well either. Like He would have put up some pass rush st- stats, uh, but he, he would be a total liability against the run with his hand-in-the-dirt. With the wrong coach trying to get him to do that. Like he's, he's 245 pounds, and so many teams would have wanted him to be up closer to 270. He, he would have still been an explosive player, but... It's hard to see him remaining like the ridiculous dynamic force that he is. Like there are some places like he would have been fine in TJ Watt's job in Pittsburgh. He would do that very well. But there's just a lot of spots where I think they would have messed this up. Uh, Parsons is an edge. Don't get me wrong. Like he's lined up anywhere other than the edge. Only about one eighth of his snaps this season. So like five or so a game. And that really varies from team to team, game plan to game plan. It's been as few as one and as many as 15 snaps in a game. And those were both against the same team. (laughs) Uh, The way they used him in two different games against the Philadelphia Eagles was completely different. Could not have been more different. 
So that's key one, is figure out how they're using him against you. And it's super obvious. Uh, I, I almost didn't even mention this because it's so obvious, but then I'd have comments like, he didn't even talk about Parsons, her, her. So this is just to avoid that. Uh, Kirchhoff plays well when the pocket's clean. He does not play well when the pocket is not clean. Micah Parsons is a professional maker of messes in that pocket, and the Lions need to keep tabs on him at all costs. My expectation, given the trouble that the Lions have had uh, in terms of their guards picking up blitzes at times, is that we're going to see a lot of the Cowboys trying to get Parsons isolated on a guard. Like against the Vikings, the Lions did a spectacular job of picking up all of the blitzes that Brian Flores threw at them. Uh, they need to put in that same level of work to understand the Cowboys' methods of getting Parsons into space against guys like Jonah Jackson and Graham Glasgow, because those are two good players that I like very much. Micah Parsons will eat them if they if he has enough room to go around them. Uh, and and they, they, they definitely can't leave him as a free rusher like they kept doing with Max Crosby of the Raiders. Like, bottling up Parsons is easier said than done, but the Lions need to have a plan for it, as he's the guy that can derail their entire offense from snap one. I would expect them to be keeping in tight ends to at least chip, but quick throws away from Parsons is also a way to mitigate his effectiveness. You can't rush the passer if the passer doesn't have the ball. Like, I think this is a week where a low time to throw needs to be part of the game plan. Like, because Parsons is also far from the only dangerous pass rusher that the Cowboys have. I mean, you've got Demarcus Lawrence. You've got Dante Fowler, Sam Williams. Mozzie Smith has been doing a pretty good job. And uh, Odigizua, Osa Odigizua, uh, has, uh, that guy's dangerous <laughs> on the inside of the line. Um, some of those names you probably know because they've been around a while. Some of them. They're not superstars anymore, but like that's still a dangerous guy for five snaps a game. Kind of like Bruce Irvin for the Lions. But every one of those guys has been getting after the passer this season at a, a pretty regular clip. Uh, which brings me to the end result of that fierce pass rush. Jared Goff needs to be frugal with the turnover-worthy throws this week. Like, this is the time to channel his Ebenezer Scrooge, not his Bob Cratchit. There are a lot of turnover machines in the Cowboys secondary. Even with like, like Trayvon Diggs has been out for the season since I, I think it was week two when he went on IR. Uh, and if you haven't really been paying attention to the league as a whole, like you just watch Lions games and don't really watch much else. Let me introduce you to Deron Bland. He's a second year player and he started eight games as a rookie for the Cowboys. And in those eight games, he hauled in five interceptions and had seven passes defended. Uh, he's in a bit of a sophomore slump this year because he started 13 games and he's only intercepted eight balls. So his per game pace is a little bit of a drop off from his rookie year. But I guess he's making up for it by having set the record for the most pick sixes in a single season in league history. He has five this year. And kiddos, that's what it takes for me to say that maybe the Lions should just go away from Jamison Williams this week and put him on Bland's side and have him run up the sideline to keep that guy the hell away from where the Lions actually want to go with the ball.
This is also what it takes for me to suggest that the Lions should probably stick to throwing at Stefan Gilmore's side. Yeah, the borderline potentially Hall of Fame guy on the other side of the field is less dangerous this week. And I'm not kidding. Uh, the safeties aren't really a safe spot for the Lions either, like Malik Hooker, not exactly the exploitable member of the secondary. Like He's playing pretty well this year, even if his turnover production hasn't been particularly good. Not as good as it was in his early years with the Colts before all the injuries. Like I was a little shocked to see that he's only 27 years old because, man, it feels like he's been around forever. Uh, but it's the other safety spot the Lions need to go after. And this is usually where I start getting comments from fans of the other team telling me that I'm wrong about their team. And then at halftime, I come back and check to see if they're okay as the player I told them was going to get exploited by Ben Johnson gets exploited by Ben Johnson. The Lions need to figure out the combination of motions and formations that gets Donovan Wilson one-on-one -on -one with Sam Laporta. Because while Hooker's going to be able to handle the rookie tight end, Wilson does not have that skill set. And I say Laporta because I cannot imagine a combination of things that would let Dan Quinn or, or get Dan Quinn to allow Amon Ross St. Brown one-on-one -on -one with Wilson. If that happens, that is where the ball needs to go, even if it's 15 times this game, because Wilson will absolutely not be able to handle Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, that would be great, too. I mean, and honestly, if you can get Jameer Gibbs one-on-one -on -one with him, or Khalif Raymond one-on-one -on -one with him, get somebody one-on-one -on -one with that guy, and just spam it. <laughs> uh, I'll find him, pepper him with love. I mean balls. I mean passes. <laughs> uh, like their slot quarter, Jordan Lewis, is also pretty bad. So, 11 personnel going after those inside defenders is probably where the Lions kind of have the opportunity to feast in this game. Uh, but honestly, all of that is kind of secondary to the actual most important thing that the Lions need to do. They need to run the ball until Dallas shows that they can stop it. Run on first down, run on second down, run on third down, also run on fourth down. I want Gibbs and Monty to each have 25 carries at the end of this game. And hell, also give whoever's playing fullback this week five more. And then if you, if you have some left over, like Craig Reynolds getting 15 more here would probably also be good too. Like the Cowboys are not good at defending the run. And this is a thing where like, it's not super well reflected in kind of like your basic stats. Uh, but when you watch Cowboys games, they tend to go one of two ways. Either the other team dominates them at the line because they are a finesse defensive line for the most part. That team pounds the rock and the Cowboys lose. Or the other team gets behind. The Cowboys unleash their lighter defensive front, which has much better players. Like Lawrence is their three technique as an example. And, and they kind of beat up on the opposing quarterback and the Lions need to stop that outcome from happening and the way to stop that is heavy personnel running the ball like i think there is the possibility in this game that the lions hang 45 points on the cowboys uh but step one is shoving the ball down their throat with the running game they can't fall two scores behind in the second quarter and abandon the run game like we've seen them occasionally do if the lions have a single three and out where they threw the ball three times before the end of the third quarter, 
you can pretty much stick a fork in them because they're like, there have been games this year where they just came in with a game plan that wasn't good. And that would be indicative that they had just come in and they're either not feeling the play calling today or the game plan just didn't turn out the way they expected it to. And I mean, it's relative to a certain extent when I say the Cowboys aren't good against the run uh, because they've allowed the fourth lowest completion percentage and the fifth lowest passing yardage in the league. You don't want to throw on the Cowboys, but they're just middle of the road against the run. And if you're a PFF stan, I have some information for you that backs up your love of PFF. Why? Kind of go with my assessment of this. Uh, the Cowboys' highest graded run defenders play the following positions. There's an edge at the top. And friend, that is not Parsons. That is not his game. It's Demarcus Lawrence. Then it's a safety, a corner, a corner, and a corner. You can get your running back to the second level because this front seven is not good. They're defended like their their second level, actually I guess second and third level have done a, a pretty good job of covering for that fact. But you need to look at what the Bills did to the Cowboys two weeks ago uh, because that is kind of what you can do with the Lions players to a certain extent. I mean, James Cook had 25 carries for 179 yards. Ty Johnson added nine for 54. And that kind of thing needs to be the game plan here. Even if the Lions don't have Josh Allen there to add kind of some RPO options to that, uh, like, you can run those with golf, but that's really more of a to catch them completely off guard thing, which has gone for a couple touchdowns this year. Uh, but the key message is you need to just be successful running the ball. That is how the Lions win this game on offense. So here's your keys. Run the ball 50 times because you're good at it and they're not good at stopping it. Throw at the holes in the secondary because they're probably going to be covering your best players because just of where the people play and you have the means to keep the better players distracted with other things. And Parsons. Do the thing where you study how they deploy him and get everyone on board like you did last week against the Vikings. See you next week. I'm traveling again, so I don't know when the next one of these is coming. Tuesday at the latest. Subscribe. Hit notifications to be the first one to know when these things are dropping. Have a great New Year's. Let's bring it here together. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. You've had enough of that shit.